This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio episode number 56. How would you like to have a mindset that enables you to inspire the imagination and actions of everyone in your organization? What if you learn to see more possibilities than problems? What if small shifts in your attitude led to greater results at work, at home, and in all areas of your life? Listen to this interview to find out the simple steps you can take today to strengthen the link between who you are and what you do to produce extraordinary impact. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life, no matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur. Join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. Hello, this is Sabrina Brahm with womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, and today we have the opportunity to talk to Katherine Kramer, who is um, the originator and founder of the Asset-Based Thinking Program, which is a way of looking at the world that helps leaders, influencers, and their teams to make small shifts in thinking to produce extraordinary impact. She also has um, worked with a lot of clients such as DuPont, uh, Prudential Insurance, excuse me, Prudential Real Estate, Starbucks, Microsoft, as well as many educational and nonprofit organizations. Her latest book is Lead Positive, What Highly Effective Leaders See, Say, and Do. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much, and I appreciate all the work you're doing for women. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's a definite passion that I have, and uh, it's uh, wonderful to do it. And I know you're doing the same thing, so I really appreciate this interview, which will help thousands of women to uh, advance their careers. Can you tell us, Catherine, the difference between conventional leadership and positive leadership? Well, actually, I think of it as more like conventional wisdom about how to develop yourself uh, as a leader usually uh, aims at creating a vision and strategies and increasing market share and being able to really get the organizational uh, the organization aligned so that everything is working effectively and efficiently and of course those uh, those aspects of, of leadership are very important but what I'm trying to do is hold the space for a new conversation about I'll say an underserved, very important aspect of learning how to lead, and that is how the leader can actually have internal shifts inside of their mind that make external results more likely. So our focus in Lead Positive is literally what the subtitle says, what highly effective leaders see, say, and do. So it goes from the internal process of seeing to the external processes of saying and doing and realizing how important uh, your person, you know, the person who you are and the, uh, the influencer who you are, that can do 
a lot to either advance the strategies and the results or to hold them back. So this is my focus now, um, and I want to share that with people because I've been studying uh, effective leaders for almost 30 years now, and it's really time for me to produce this playbook. Um, so I, my my brain's going two different directions here because the the on the one hand, I'm wondering what the research is that proves that it's important to think more positively or to lead more positively. Is there anything that proves that this works better? I mean, why, did, why is this better than the old way of doing things? Well, so let me, let me kind of step us back just a little bit, and let's talk, <coughs> talk about, let's open that jar called positive thinking and really look at what's in it. <coughs> so we don't really see with our eyes, we see with our brains. And mm-hmm. so you mentioned the brain research. And uh, what we know is that we are all born with what what neuroscientists call um, a negativity bias. And what that means is that we're more sensitive to and more reactive to, we react more quickly to negative information. We interpret things that are out there coming at us. We interpret them as either good or bad, and we're more sensitive to the bad. Because, of course, we want to protect ourselves. It's the main motivation of that whole negativity bias uh, is survival and being able to, to protect and defend and make sure that, you know, we have the, uh, we hold the status quo steady. We have equilibrium that is steady inside of us and inside of our organization. And knowing that, um, is also augmented by the fact that the negativity bias is contagious. So if I'm afraid and I'm in a leadership position, I will literally source fear and anxiety and worry in those who I speak with and act with. Um, So the first essence of this and the research shows that if we have the intention and effort to shift our bias, so that we become more interested and we become we we put more effort in noticing what are the good facts what are the positive facts that are coming at me and how can i leverage them and as i as we do that the neuroscience helps us to see that we activate the parts of the brain in ourselves and other people uh that have what rick hansen calls First of all, the seek rewards portion of the brain, which is uh, part of the limbic system and and the attached to others part of the brain, which helps us move towards people and helps people move towards us, the relationship domain. And those two areas are really what is responsible for how we handle and leverage rewards and other people. So the asset-based thinking approach, and I noticed you had to say that carefully. Everybody does. It's kind of a mouthful. Uh-huh. The asset-based thinking approach and strategies helps us make that shift out of the negativity bias into what you might even call a positivity bias. How can I begin to notice more quickly what's valuable, what's working, what's possible, so that I can seek rewards and attach to others? 
And that's where leadership comes in. Leaders go first. Leaders' thoughts and what they say and what they do is contagious. So that is our whole focus is to take that contagious element and make it work for the leader and also for the followers. Can you give us an example of a leader that used that and what kind of a difference it made? Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that people always ask is, um, you know, it's fine to be positive when they're, you know, to when it's easy, right, to find the assets, what's valuable, what's working, what's strong, what's best. And many of us find ourselves on that role. I call it kind of the you're on the possibility uh, pathway, right? But when things are tough, how do you do it? How in the world can you see assets when something like 9-11 happens? And I mentioned earlier that I've been studying leaders for a long time, and I really looked at Rudy Giuliani's um, way of handling and leveraging uh, what was possible during that terrible 9-11 tragedy. And, of course, we, we measure what leaders are thinking by what they're saying, right? Mm-hmm. And when he was doing his interviews, from the very first interview that he did at the police academy with George Pataki, he uh, he got the first question, how, how many people have died? And what he said was um, a way of acknowledging the tragedy he said uh we we it's so terrible we can't even estimate right now but then he began to help the reporter and other people shift he said there so many have perished and there must be survivors so he he was looking at who might still be alive and then what he said is we must find them that is our first job. Mm-hmm. So we call that the ASA shift, acknowledge the problem, scan for what else is happening simultaneously that might be an asset that would be positive, and then act, take action on what you see is valuable and useful and beneficial in that, even in that terrible situation, saving lives was was an important goal and it got people active. So I always say that, that that Giuliani, in the end, spent five times more interest and effort looking at the first responders and their courage, looking at the generosity of the people in New York, the patriotism of all of us nationally, the support. Um, And so he actually made acts of heroism more important than the acts of terrorism. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what, you know, that's what our... Our job is. That's what the leader's job is to help us look at what can be done, what it is that we can do to redeem even the most tragic of situations. And it always helps me when I'm kind of in a traffic jam or something, and you know, it's such a minor blip on the screen compared to anything like 9/11. But the ASA shift comes in there, right? Acknowledge. Okay, I'm in a jam. I'm going to be late. But that scan for. What else is happening that is useful and valuable? Well, now I've got time on my hands, right? Mm-hmm. I can I can send an email. I can look at my notes. I can make a phone call. It doesn't get me out of the jam, but it makes me proactive and pursuing something that is beneficial. Mm-hmm. And more present. And much more present. More present a- instead of focusing on what 
isn't happening. You're starting to focus on what you can do right then. I actually was thinking of some examples um, because I've been doing executive coaching for the past 30 years. More more than once, I've had people who were demoted. Um, actually, in the last year, I can think of two examples of one person was demoted two ranks down. Uh, well, actually, there was a couple of others that were demoted one rank down. And they used that approach you're talking about and stayed really positive, and now they've all been promoted back up to the level they were at before or higher. And I think especially when something like you get demoted or you have a failure at work, um, people are really watching to see what you do with that type of experience. There's no question about that. You're really in the spotlight. And, you know, that reminds me, since you like to talk about research, that um, the most admired characteristic, according to to the polling company, Yankolovich Kelly, um, and I forget the third person's name, mm-hmm. any rate, um, is uh, the most admired characteristic um, in America is the ability to bounce back after adversity. Resilience, and we admire that more than the accumulation of wealth or even you know highly high highly successful results. We admire bouncing back because we know how hard it is, and it does uh, I'll say have a very positive impact on your reputation on the story you know the story on the street about you in uh, any um, organization is usually very vibrant. And so that story gets told, and you become really a valued valued resource uh, because because people know you have the grit and the determination to bounce back. Valued and more trusted. Yeah. Because you're, yes, this happened, and this is what I'm going to do now. Uh, you In your book, you talk about the ABT system. Is that the same the one you were talking about with acknowledge scan and um, move forward, or is this a different one? Yeah, no, no. So uh, asset-based thinking, there are a series of strategies that I have identified that really help leaders. So, yes, the ASA shift is one of those ways to shift out of deficit-based thinking. I don't think I've mentioned that. So deficit-based thinking is a focus on the problem, it's a focus on the mistake. It's a focus on the failure, like you just mentioned. It's a focus on fixing, if you will. It's the fix-it mindset. And, you know, most of us have more than enough problems to fix that we could be doing that all day, all week, all year, mm-hmm. really, you know, kind of jogging in place. So what we say is let's shift out of the deficit-based thinking mindset to the asset-based thinking mindset and if we have to shift. And that was the ASA shift. That's what I was talking about. You know, we were in terrible straits with 9-11, but Giuliani was helping us to shift into a mindset that could be proactive, mm-hmm. not just fixing, you know, ground zero, right, although that needs to be done, of course, but it's what else can we be looking at and moving towards that can help us move forward and mm-hmm. not just drive in place. Uh, and there, there's another favorite one of mine that is really about how to spot possibilities. And uh, leaders, uh, if they do this, can kind of get that asset-based 
thinking mindset uh, trained. And we, we have found Rich Hansen is one of my favorite neuro neuropsychologists, and he's actually doing some research on this. He calls it taking in the good. Mm-hmm. So one of my strategies that is that I uh, emphasize in the book, Lead Positive, is scan, snap, savor. Now, the quick, and, and, and this can be done in less than a minute, literally 30 seconds if you, if you practice this mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Within 30 seconds, you can create new neural networks in, those part, in, in the part of our brains that help us build um, the, the sensitivity to positive facts. So mm-hmm. that's what we need. You know, we need to be able to more spontaneously and more often focus on positive facts. So Mm -hmm. here's how it works. You scan, and this is, uh, you know, you and I could be doing that right now. We had that little blip when the radio program started and it wasn't connecting correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, we could have focused on that. Or we, instead, what we did, and now I'm scanning for this, you and I just, you know, uh, made, made the effort Took the took the tasks that were necessary to get everything to work. Technology often fails us, and we were really focusing on how to start this conversation and how to bring your audience into the conversation. And we knew it was important, so I'm scanning for that back in the you know the early part of our conversation. And now I'm taking a snapshot in my mind's eye, a snapshot of a moment when I heard your voice, since we're not actually seeing each other, mm-hmm. and I heard your energy and your um, enthusiasm for this work and for your work, and now I'm going to savor it just for a few seconds. Kind of think of savoring as like marinating your brain. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to dwell on that. I'm just going to reflect on that, and that's it. And and if I do that, I, I like to, to suggest that people do it at least three times a day, on their way home, at the dinner table, and right before they fall asleep. And if they can really get that 30 seconds in of, I think I think Hanson's term is a good one, taking in the good, then um, we actually begin to influence our assumptions and our expectations about the, wor- the way the world works, mm-hmm. and we begin to notice um, and this is how this is how optimism is learned, according to Seligman. Uh, you know, you can actually learn to be more um, optimistic, and I think Scan Snap Saver is one of those strategies that can help you do that. It um, and it needs to be repeated. It needs needs to be practiced because, uh, as I said earlier, it doesn't come as naturally to us. So that's why there's actually a practice associated with it. Well, it's beautiful, and it's the, all the research around. It's important to feel grateful, and I, I really like this because it's it really, like you said, it really is going to wire your brain up to be more and more positive the more you use it. And um, can you give us another example of somebody in a leadership role that wasn't doing this and then started doing it, and the shift it made? Maybe somebody you've worked with. I'll tell you what, I, we have, I'm kind of laughing now because we have legions of people who, and, and some of whom are uh, in the book. Um, you know, I'm thinking of Gary, Gary Spitzer, who has a very important job uh, at DuPont. And 
uh, he had been to several of our courses. You know, we have programs, live live programs, and he came to one of them and really liked uh, what he was introduced to and really took it on. You know, the, he not only came to the seminar, he really began to practice it. And he tells the story of um, having to talk to uh, a regulator. Now, you know, DuPont and many other businesses uh, are highly regulated, and in this particular case, it wasn't going to be a good phone call. The regulators were upset, and this particular person, you know, kind of had the reputation of being a very tough sell. And so Gary agreed to talk to the person um, as long as the lawyer was on the phone, and it turned out that that the lawyer who he had invited and who had accepted had an you know um, had an out of town meeting that came up that was more important. So there Gary was staring at the phone, knowing he was going to be the only one on the call. And one of our uh, one of our asset based thinking strategies in the moment is to really think about something that you admire or value about a person, especially if you think there's going to be confrontation. Before you get into any kind of negotiation or any kind of important debrief phone call like this was going to be, um, you know, Gary on the surface just was not looking forward to this person or talking to this person. And so he he had to think long and hard about this, and he finally said to himself, you know, one thing I really do value about this person is that he stands up for what he believes in, mm-hmm. and he's and he he holds the line, he's accountable. And as Gary started thinking about those qualities, and again, it had to be authentic, right? He couldn't mm-hmm. just up and say, well, this is a really nice guy. Underneath it all, he must be a really nice guy. No, it was real factual, right, mm-hmm. that, that this person was highly committed and held himself and others highly accountable. That started a positive change reaction, change reaction in the, in the, whole, um, the whole beginning of the conversation started well because there were, there were uh, – signals that Gary was probably probably sending off, uh, you know, in nonverbal ways, in the tone of his voice, where he, he was welcoming at some level having the interaction with a person he could at least respect. So I think that's a really concrete um, example, and it's uh, he was he was shocked. Gary was completely surprised at the outcome. The regulator was, you know, very rational and not punitive, and he he contri- you know he um, attributes that positive uh, outcome to the way he was viewing what he was seeing in the other person, influenced what he said, and eventually what was done and agreed to. Wow, so beautiful, and I mean, I get so many word pictures in my head when you were talking because I'm thinking how often do we in leadership positions go into meetings with a negative attitude towards somebody and how much is that influencing what happens as opposed to doing what you're saying and really looking for a way to scan for the positives. Yeah, and do you see how tough that is? Because usually our negative attitudes, you know, are well-founded. 
you know what I mean? It's not like we're making things up exactly. about people. Although at some some level, you know, we always make things up. We always have a narrative in our mind that is fed by evidence. But uh, another bias besides the negativity bias that we all have is something that psychologists call the confirmation bias. And we look for evidence to confirm our assumptions and beliefs. And we're mm -hmm. always going to find them. So if you're looking for the negative, believe me, it's going to show up. And so what Gary was doing in that case was really finding, again, it had to be authentic. So you can't make this up. You can't fake it to make it. You really have to... You, you really have to find something of value, even if it's just a glimmer, mm -hmm. uh, in order to then search for that evidence. So what he was doing subconsciously was looking for signs of accountability, signs of commitment from this guy, and um, working with that. Beautiful. So beautiful. A great example. Um, a couple of other things I'm going to um ask you, how do you increase your influence through curiosity? I, you mentioned that in the book, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, well, let's think, all right, so this is, I, this was a great insight for me when I first, first read about it and thought about it and then started putting it into practice. So um, if you look at your, the, the range of feelings that you can have, uh, emotions, um, from the highly negative to the highly positive, so on the negative end of the spectrum, rage, on the positive end of the spectrum, thrilled. And then you see everything in between that, those polar um, opposites, right in the middle, right smack dab in the middle is curiosity, feeling curious about something. And it's the first step out of negative into the positive zone. But it's not quite positive. It's just leaning in. So the idea of being curious means that you are, you're on a quest. You're on a quest to understand. You're on a quest to get to know. Uh, I feel curious about your audience and what you've been able to build here. But I don't have, you know, I don't have all the facts yet. But if I'm curious, I, I will begin to explore uh, without a negative filter on. Uh huh. That makes sense. Yes. Not you're not making any assumptions. You just you're just curious, right? Right. You're taking it in, and of course you're going to make some evaluations. <laughs> but you know, in order for us to be curious and then act on that curiosity, we you know you have that seek rewards and attach to others motive going on, right? You don't. You're not curious about something that is frightening. Right. And, right, and you're not curious about something that is distasteful, at least not for very long. But you are curious about, you know, what could this, what could this do and be for me? And, and yeah. how could it possibly be different than the way I'm thinking about it right now? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so curiosity invites surprise. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, surprise me with something that, you know, that I don't know yet or that I can't even imagine. So there's so many things we're not going to be going into that were good in your book, including the importance of getting really good at at um, being able to present your story. And I'm, so people need to pick up the book to read that. I want to ask you the value of being a mentor. What do you see as the value for people? 
<laughs> well, that's that's a great question, and it's often the other. You know, it's often asked the other way around. Uh, you know, what what value have you found from being mentored or being in a mentoring process? I think um, I think mentoring is uh, it does really promote um, a sense of sense of legacy and a sense of making um, an important contribution. There's you know there's nothing more breathtaking than seeing somebody develop and grow because they've been in your presence and because they have uh, tuned in to to your wisdom to your advice. And I think um, everybody who's reached a certain level of uh, proficiency in their in their profession, in their subject matter area, and even more likely in the uh, in the politics. How do you navigate the politics in this organization? And how do you navigate in your career? What you know? What do you need to? Uh, what are the benchmarks that can can really be helpful. Again, those things that that are uh, implicit, not tacit. So, you know, people who are mentoring usually have been around for a while. They know the system. And, um, you know, Adam Grant wrote that great book on give and get, and I think the, the rewards from giving are are far, far surpass the rewards from Getting so, I always advise that you know if you've never done it, try it. And uh, again, it 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 requires some attention and some effort to work that into your schedule and make it a priority. And I think lots of organizations today actually have a more formal process that you can get into. You know, you can can volunteer uh, to be the mentor, and um, that's a lot of how leadership development takes place today, and it's a it's a very good uh, stream of activity. Mm-hmm. To end end up, would you leave us with a story and a call to action? So, what do you want us to walk away with from this call? Right from this call, from from the wisdom that you've shared with us. Well, I, honestly, that last question about curiosity, I I want the people out there who um, are listening to really get curious enough uh, and try some of these practices out, the ASA shift, the scan, snap, saver, and, and watch what happens. Give yourself a chance to experience uh, the lead positive strategies. And as you said, there's a, lot of, you know, there's a lot of help in the book about how to create stories and how to... Uh, Really help yourself and others know what the narrative is of your your mighty cause and your goals, and how to really get behind whatever it is that you're trying to make happen. And I think your voice is so important. I I feel like if people knew how to say more about what they want to do and accomplish, how they can say it in a compelling and uh, uh, influential way. Um, the, this is the way we we are proactive and create our destiny, whether it's our individual destiny or the destiny of our team or the destiny of our our country, for heaven's sakes. You know, we're making this up all the time, so why not use the asset-based thinking approach? It, my call to action is for people to 
ask for asset-based thinking. Let's be more ABT about this and see what it would get us. Beautiful. I love it. And I want to just thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We really appreciate it. Um, so thank you very you're much. You're welcome, Sabrina. I, I love what you're doing, and I hope that that flu that you're battling is gone soon. I know you had a little bit of a a little bit of a cough there, and thank you for hanging into the whole interview with me. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. To get a free sample of my new program, the Winning Career Video Training, go to www.womensleadershipsuccess.com. Sign up on the form that appears on the screen after a moment. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brom, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrom.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.